Welcome to episode 188 of Saturday Football Uncensored, brought to you by Saturday Down South. On today's episode, we break down the SEC West in its entirety. You can find this show on our website. By the way, we got Cole Kublik on the show today. Special guest. We'll be, we'll be joining us at the end of the show. You can find this show on our website, SaturdayDownSouth.com and Apple and Spotify. During the season, join us for the live recording of the show every Sunday at 8 Eastern time on the Saturday Down South YouTube page. Find clips from the show on Twitter at Sat Down South and at Sat FB Uncensored on Instagram and TikTok at Saturday Down South. You can find us on YouTube at Saturday Down South. And now here's the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Saturday Football Uncensored brought to you by Saturday Down South. I'm your host, Tyler Huck, and with me, as always, my co-host, Chris Marler. Chris, it's a big day on the pod. It is. I believe this is our last conference preview. Yeah. Episode. Got some week zero games this weekend. So we, do we need to break those down? We're not going to break them down. No, we're not breaking those down. Okay. Okay. Unless you want to talk Navy Notre Dame. I'm telling you right now, I would hammer Notre Dame and I would hammer Nate, uh, hammer Vandy. All right. There's your gambling. Uh, gamble responsibly, everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, a big episode today because we do cover the SEC West. Mm-hmm. You're wearing a, a T-shirt for those watching on YouTube. Uh, yeah. That represents um, a team in that conference. Division and conference. Yeah, but here's the deal. Yeah. I'm just going to – I feel like – I know we jinxed it last year, but I I feel like we're back. I feel like we're back, like personally, and I don't want to okay. jinx it. But I'm going to say this is that I think I'm going to – I'm just going to lean into – I realized last year that no matter how fucking accurate I was, and let's, let's just recap the numbers, 69.6% against the spread a year ago. We were 18 and three. Yeah. 18 and three. 18 and three in our preseason picks. We went three for three in our our top prop bets for for SEC players a year ago. And no matter what, and and let's, you know, I'm not even going to get into the UGA Tennessee video that went viral that we talked about in the last episode. I had a very accurate year, but I realized something that no matter what, since I'm a Bama fan, people are just going to lean into that anyway. So I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to wear the shirt, and we're going to break down the conference today. Do we start there, or do we do we wait? We wait. We wait for sure. All right. Then why don't we start with a little team down in Baton Rouge? Yeah. Is that good to you? I'm in for that. All right. LSU, 10-4 and four last year. Win total, 9.5 for the regular season this year. Brian Kelly mm-hmm. going to his second year. Uh, a lot is expected of LSU this year. Um, you got a lot of talent on the defense for sure. You've got yeah. a talented QB, a very talented receiver. I think you got some question marks at running back. I think you got maybe some mild question marks at who else steps up at receiver on offense. Yeah. Um, but the team should be pretty loaded and I know the future looks really bright. Um, and I know we had paid on last week and, it's his opinion that LSU is about to be a mainstay in the college football playoff yeah. picture, even if it, you know, if it stayed at four teams, even, um, what are your thoughts this year? I mean, a tough, tough opener, I would say. 
Uh-huh. And the non-con. So I, I looked at this a few weeks ago, and I talked to Matt Moscona um, from, from ESPN Baton Rouge. I love, I love Moscona to death. And I was very adamant for most of the offseason, still have been somewhat, that, like, you got to have – you got to stack seasons if you're LSU. You had like – LSU went for for 19 or 20 straight years where they had eight wins or more every season. From 2000 to 2019, they had at least eight wins every year. No other team in the country did that, which is awesome. But, like, they haven't stacked elite seasons. And I'm not saying last year was elite necessarily, but you did win the division. They They haven't done that in a very long time. And looking at LSU historically, right, like they were, they've won three national championships with different head coaches. Brian Kelly in year one. Brian Kelly, like I said this going into last year, he's one of the more underrated coaches in the country, even though he has like like the pedigree of going to a national championship, coaching at Notre Dame, all that kind of stuff. We just always assumed as SEC fans, oh, well, he got his ass beat by Bama in, in 2012, so he's not that great of a coach. And Notre Dame gets blown out when they play the SEC, so he's not that great of a coach. Obviously, last year he showed why that's not true. And then you talk about what he has coming back. It's kind of 11 on offense. He's got the best defensive player in the country. Secondary should be should be good. They should be improved on defense. You get Mason Smith back. They look like they're improved at every single position, like every single one. But I, I'm having a hard time believing in the fact that they're just back, much like Tennessee, yeah. because I haven't seen them stack those seasons back-to-back years and maybe this is all new like maybe this is all different now because you have brian kelly maybe it is like and maybe they just go through that schedule unscathed like like you know somebody garrett chapman i love him to death he was on 19 in the game last night he was i was talking to him on, on on air and he's like i don't feel like we're talking enough about lsu and it was like i feel like that's almost all we've talked about yeah i was and, about to say and yeah. like if we if we haven't talked about the only reason i think that's being said is because they didn't get voted as the division winner at media days, which, but like we've been talking about LSU offseason, like they are their national championship odds, their preseason top five. in I think both polls, like we're talking about LSU. Like they are, they are a really, really good team with a lot of potential, but that schedule is not fucking easy. So it sounds like from, from camp, um, they're a little concerned about the DB play. Uh, mm-hmm. which doesn't Secondary. set up well in the first game, you know, you, in the third game, you play at Mississippi state. Um, you got, you go on the road to Ole Miss, which is a good passing team. Of course you got Bama and M. So, you know, you get Denver Harris to transfer over because he had some maybe off the field issues at Texas A&M. Those right. seemingly are rearing their head again. So maybe that's not an answer at corner. Uh, you brought in kid Zay Alexander from the FCS level. He was a all American right. on the FCS level. Sounds like maybe he might be the best corner. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe he's a really good player. Maybe they got some issues there. Um, I'm kind of with you in a sense. Like I like Jaden Daniels, but to me, he's not like Uber elite. Now I like Nussmeyer too. Mm-hmm. We got a really good QB room there, but I mean, I don't want to give away my pick here, but I think Florida State's going to beat LSU in the first game. I do too. So then, and, and here, here's the thing that I've said all offseason, like LSU fans just think I'm an idiot for it. Like that, the the first thing that happened with that Florida State game last year, we should have won that game. 
so you get to November and you've beaten Bama by one point on the last play of the game. And, and you're like, oh, man, if we would have beaten Florida State, we'd have one loss to be in the playoff contention, blah, blah. And it's like this assumed that that's what should have happened. Well, yeah. no, you got, you got like outcoached, outplayed, whatever for the entire game. And got yeah. very fortunate after a fumble on the one yard line to, and then drove the length of the field. Hats off to you for fighting the whole time. But I've yeah. said this over and over. If you close your eyes and you look at this team, they're not going five and seven. Make no mistake about it. But there are so many 2021 going into 2022 Texas AM vibes from this team that we have built this entire thing off of they beat Bama. And, he, and here's the thing, too, I realized today, Tyler. You could say that they beat Bama, and so now they're back, and they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, um, and, and whatnot. Like, and that's great. But if you're gonna if you're gonna sit here and say, "Well, the dynasty's dead," and like, and then you beat them a year ago by one point in overtime, and you're building off that is like the the pure amount of like that. That's like the complete source of momentum you're building off of. It can't be both of those things. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it can't it can't be both of those things where it's like right. yeah like this is like this dynasty is like is just as as michael bratton said decaying but also like that is what your entire resume going into this season is built off of right no it's a fair point i mean the texas saying end game was a bad look at the end of the year last year i don't know what happened in that game um you know you squeak by arkansas Yeah, Yeah. so I think there is a lot of hyperbole here. And look, I mean, and this isn't just a Florida State LSU thing, but I think a lot lot could be said about Florida State and how they played in some games last year. There might these two teams have a lot of hype, maybe a little overhyped. But when I something I'm looking at with LSU, like you got Malik Neighbors, who's a stud, and Mm -hmm. he's going to be one of the best receivers in the country. Brian Thomas maybe makes the jump. I mean, he had 300 yards last year, four touchdowns, uh, led the team or led the receiving room. But I mean, all these guys that got on their roster that were highly recruited at running back, are any of these guys going to do anything special? I mean, I saw Moscona, I follow him on social media. He was highlighting that Caleb Jackson, who's a true freshman, was maybe looked the best in the scrimmage out of all the backs. Yeah. I'm thinking, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You got John Emery. You got Noah Kane. You got the Logan Diggs kid that transferred in from Notre Dame. Josh yeah, Williams. They're deep there. But are any of these guys going to break out? I think it's a positive because I think you're taking a guy. You're talking about like you just have so much depth. You have so, like I don't know what they have at receiver. Mason Taylor, obviously, great season in year one and had the game winning or you know like not touchdown but two point conversion catch in the in the game against Bama. I mean, Jaden Daniels is a 28 total touchdowns and three interception quarterback a year ago. That is incredible. Yeah. Like, I mean, you look at Joe Burrow from year over year. I don't think Jaden Daniels is going to put up 60 touchdown passes by any means. It's a very different offense, very different player. But, like, Joe Burrow year one, 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. Joe Burrow year two, 60 touchdowns, Heisman Trophy. I don't think that he necessarily is going to have some spike anywhere close to that. I also don't think he's going to necessarily regress that he was the year before where he had 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Um it's. I mean, like, I'm not completely sold on Jaden Daniels, even though he was really good a year ago. But now you're not a transfer into the system anymore. You're you're being like, you have a target on your back, and I think that a lot of this also comes to the fact that people like LSU. 
LSU is a fun team to pull for. I mean, mm-hmm. the fans are great. The stadium atmosphere is great. Like, I mean, Brian Kelly's likable. Who's who would have seen that shit coming? I think he's like, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd go that far, but but I think they have a lot of depth on offense. They have they have like this is the only team in the country I feel like where if, if you were telling me, oh man, their starting quarterback went down, I wouldn't be that concerned. Like, I, I don't think the season's over. The sky's falling because of what they have behind him. I don't know right. how great the depth's going to be at receiver, but I know they had a lot of depth at running back. You return, I think, all five offensive linemen, or four or five at least. You have two freshman stars that held their own a year ago. The defense, like I said, should be better. It's not where the offense is. I mean, like, th- this is this is a team that's like, again, the target is on you. And I haven't forgotten about, if you beat Florida State, if you lose to Florida State, you're, either way, you're, you're, your playoff hopes are not done. Right. If you lose to him, right? But you don't play Ole Miss at home. You don't play Mississippi State at home. You don't play Alabama at home. You get a you get A and M at home. Mm-hmm. But like there's a lot. There's a lot on that schedule that's like, oh, that's a little bit different than it's been in years past. You gotta go to, you I mean you actually no, you get Florida at home. Um at Mizzou, home, like, but I mean that was a close game last year. They should be improved. And, and, and I tell you what, that Auburn game is the one that scares me the most if I was LSU because, like, you can say what you want to about Bama, but the, both of those teams will be ready because you get a week off and it's that whole thing at the, the first week of November. But that game with Auburn seemingly, seemingly always close, just seemingly always close. Auburn beat you in, in Death Valley uh, last time they there. They only lost by three to you with the 2019 greatest team of all time game. Um, and like you said, yeah, like, I tell you what, what's the position unit on the field you want – to have like like which one do you want to have the least amount of questions about when you have to play a Hugh Freeze offense? Um, I mean probably DB. Uh oh. I mean they had to get four turnovers a year ago to beat Auburn, like, and they beat them by three. Yep. Maybe they're vastly improved. I don't see. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. Um. That being said, you're going over. It sounds like you're going under the nine and a half for LSU. I am. I'm going under the nine and a half because this is very much like the situation you had with Tennessee, where I don't see you stacking years necessarily. I, I think they're going to be really, really good, but I would take the under only because you have Florida State in week one, you have Bama, and then then you have no room for for error. Right. Yeah, I think I'm going to go under on LSU too. I I I went into this going over, but I've just been hearing some. Interesting stuff from camp and LSU about the, the DB situation. Um, I also don't know that I love that they're thinking about, or they are moving Harold Perkins to more of like a non pass rushing role. Like that dude was a monster wow. pass rusher. I don't know why you would take him out of that role, but I, like I tell you what, backer, I guess. there's not a thing. I would just, I, I don't, he's, he's a dude that you just don't coach and you're like, bro, right. <laughs> just fucking go out there on Saturdays. And do what you do, and that is it. He is Lawrence Taylor. He is like he's Derek Thomas. Like, just fucking go out there and make plays, dude. Yep. Um, okay, let's move to the next in the SEC West, which would be A and M at eight wins. Um, obviously, an interesting year coming up for Jimbo Fisher. This is his sixth year here. They went five and seven last year, two and six in conference. Um. I would say, with all relativity, I like their schedule. 
yeah. way it lays out for them. Um, you know, you got the non-conference against New Mexico at Miami, ULM, and Abilene Christian. I think they should be four in those games. I mean, I know Miami, yeah. some people think will be better this year, but I, I think you have the much more talented team. I think you, you need to take down Miami in that game. Um, you know, you got Auburn and Arkansas at home after those opening non-con games before you got Bama. I mean, I, they should be five and zero going to that Bama game. Yeah. Um, man. And I was going through A&M's roster, dude. The amount of talent on that, that roster is just absurd, especially on the D line. Talent is on there. The D line is insane. Like the D line is. I've never seen anything like it. It's, it's five stars everywhere, but like, here's the thing that. And they're all young. They're all young. Dude, they're the only team I've seen these numbers for. They are they returned 10 starters on offense and defense. I, I mean, anybody that thinks that AM is about to do what they did a year ago is sadly mistaken. Like, I think this yeah, is the I'm year around on this and I, I, I'm kind of high on AM now. As you should be. I mean, like, I know you hate it. Now, I will tell you this for your benefit. It would be hilarious if they lost to Miami. It would be fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, I still but, think uh, I'd prefer them to win, personally. That's fair. That's, um, okay, you, you kind of skipped through this. Joke. They should be 5-0 and going to Bama. Okay, well, should they be. have Auburn. Should be. Should be. The home at team home. in that game, they, they have struggled with Auburn. I think they lost like four out of the last five at the home there or something like that. They're, the home team is 1-8 from 2012 to 2012. 2020 during uh, in that rivalry um they should be fine but i don't i i do you overlook our do you overlook that game because you have arkansas the next week because here's the thing with jimbo that, that he has struggled with more than anything it's not the fact that he can go out there and beat bama or drop 51 on clemson or what the fuck ever it's oh god we have lost in college this week let's not fuck this up or like right. you know what i mean the week we, we got to go on the road to starkville and we're going to lose by fucking 20. Like, that, like what? Um, right. That's the concern. So that, that run with that's, Auburn. That's a fair point. Yeah. Auburn, Arkansas, Bama, and Tennessee is not as it's Especially because here's the thing. We saw them just fucking spiral a year ago. I, I don't think that happens. But I don't think. Because Auburn's also going to be undefeated going into that game. And then you have Arkansas, which is always seemingly a tough game. I think they win that. And then bam at home. I think that all game is the most difficult one out of those three, out of those five, the most concerning one out of those five. Yeah. Again. Yeah. That's fair. Um, I think, I mean, the defense is absolutely loaded, both in the secondary. I Surprisingly, going through their roster, they've got a pretty weak linebacker room. Um, but, man, everywhere else, Unbelievable talent on the defense. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on Connor Wegman to see, you know, if he's the real deal. Um, you got Max Johnson, which is a, I think, a heck of a number two if things mm-hmm. don't go great with uh, Wegman. Um, surprised we didn't see more Max Johnson l- last year. Um, yeah, but I guess it was the Weg- it was Wegman time. Um, but no, man, I like, you know, I, I think that they can, I think they will go five and no to start the year. Now, the only thing is, there's that caveat of like the Petrino Jimbo thing. 
mm-hmm. potentially being real bad. Um, but but I'm gonna go over here on the eight. I think I think I like the talent they've got. Their receiver room is stacked too. Um, you know, Evan Stewart, Anai Smith, Noah Thomas, uh, Moose Dude, Muhammad. That one. Moose Muhammad made one of the tips of the year. Nice is a guy we've talked about like all offseason, but like the production from Evan Stewart and Moose Muhammad, that, that that is one of the top one two punches at receiver in the conference, in possibly the country. And Wegman's a former five star. I mean, just tell me a quarterback that didn't thrive in Bobby Petrino's system. Right. It, it's just a matter of if it's his or I, I just, I'm interested to see the dynamic. All right, so I'm over. You're over as well on AM. Yeah. Let's make sure we do like we pick some players overs too. Okay. Um, but we can um, do Ole Miss? Yeah. Love okay. It. Ole Miss, seven and five or seven and a half win total. Last year they went eight and five. This is Kiffin's fourth year here in Oxford. Nine returning starters on offense, if you include um transfers that started at their old programs and seven on defense. Um, all right. Obviously I think everybody loves Quinshawn Judkins. That's, that's yeah. a given dude's that's a beast. Um, I don't know what they have behind him. So hopefully he stays healthy. Um, I know they got a pretty highly rated kid. That's a freshman, but then the only other guy I see on the roster, Ulysses, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth. Yeah. The best name ever. <laughs> this is like, Fucking um, yeah, he had 15 carries last year. So hopefully, um, Quinchon stays healthy. And I think they're it, they they like to run the ball more than they like to pass. Um, yeah, I love what they added in the transfer portal at receiver. They really had to. Um, taking a look at the roster, I mean, the most talented guy that they've got is a true freshman, Aiden Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they're excited to see what that guy's going to be in the future. But they they got two guys that are both seniors this year: Trey Harris out of Louisiana Tech. Sakari Franklin out of UTSA both had really good PFF scores last year. Both of them had over a hundred targets for their respective schools. Um, both close to a thousand yards receiving both double digit touchdowns. So, you know, they're both over six foot. So they're not, they're, you know, tall guys that are, that are out wide. So I've, you know, everything's going to come down to Jackson dart and you got a really good backup in Spencer Sanders. So, I'm not worried about the offense. It's really traditionally been the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think the O-line could be a little bit better at Ole Miss. I don't know that I love the the defense. There are some pieces. They brought yeah. in some some transfers, brought in a good corner from Georgia Tech, Zamari Walton. They brought in like three kids from Georgia Tech. Yeah. Um, they Tech too, which is kind of weird. They've got a lot of transfers on at the at the linebacker in the linebacker room. Um Pretty much all across the defense transfers. Yeah. Their best pass rushers are both transfers. James Madison, kid Isaiah, Isaac Uku. Okay. Had almost an 80 PFF grade in the regular season last year. Eight sacks. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this team? A massive upgrade at, at defensive coordinator. Massive upgrade. So love that. Um, with Pete Golding going there. I think, like, I mean, people forget, like, I mean, Golding had i forgot the numbers i should have had them in front of me but like golding had a, a i mean that was a top 10 defense a year ago mm-hmm. in points per game like like 
they, they had the lowest, they had the lowest, um, what is it? I think outside of one year that Kirby was there, or, or like maybe 2016, like the, the third down um, stops like a year ago, like, like an opponent's conversion rate was the second lowest in the last like nine years at Bama a year ago. But people just hated him because they hated like the fact that he gave up 51 the Tennessee mm-hmm. and couldn't make an adjustment. And like, it, it, it seemed like at times like, man, they can't stop anybody or whatever. I don't know. They were still a really good defense. Now, of course he had a lot of dudes on that defense that, that probably helped that love the fact they returned everyone in the secondary. Um, any team with Kiffin, I'm clearly and obviously going to start with the offense and Jackson dart. I, one of the things that's been so weird to me this offseason with Ole Miss is like, why did Spencer Sanders go there? I get why Walker Howard would. But, like, Spencer Sanders, like, why are you going there? Like, you were right. a three- or four-year starter, it seemed like, at Oklahoma State. You transfer here. Like, I don't know why you would start, you would transfer to not start. But, like, Jackson Dart, like, how would you like, – 21 total touchdowns last year, 11 interceptions, right? I, I sat here and thought for most of the time, I was like, eh, he's just, like, very up and down, like, inconsistent, like, not that great. Do you know how many total yards Jackson Dart had a year ago? Uh, he, he had quite a few – Rushing yards, didn't he have like over six hundred? He had over seven hundred. He had over thirty seven hundred total yards. He had he had twenty nine hundred plus yard passing, um, and like they just they are a very good team. You got a stable of backs, and you've got a workhorse at running back with Quinshad Jenkins, which is like where you're going to start, obviously. But he does have weapons. I think it's amazing when you look at like the fact that like all that anyone talks about this offense is Quinshad Jenkins, right? And that being said. You still had a quarterback that put up 3,700 total yards. I mean, that's insane to me. That's that's really really good. Uh, I talked about this this like a year ago. How it was like there was in, in in his last ten offenses, Lane Kiffin had eight of the ten years his quarterback had at least 30 touchdowns or 3,000 yards passing. Now Jackson Dart didn't have either of those, but Jackson Dart did have 2,974 yards passing. On top of the fact that Quinshawn Judkins had 16 rushing touchdowns and almost 1,600 yards. So I think the offense is going to be really good. I think the thing that held Ole Miss back under Kiffin is the defense. I mean, you remember that first year, and I hate to use this example, but like the first year they had against Bama in 2020, which is one of the greatest teams in college football history for, for Bama, like Ole Miss was toe-to-toe with them for most of that game. I think they put up like 48 points. It was like 63 to 48. The thing that's held Kiffin back nonstop is the defense. And I think that that takes a major step forward this year. And it was pretty good at the start of last year. They had some guys that could get to the quarterback, and now you're you're kind of back towards that again. So, Yeah, I like I like the over here. Um, I like some of these transfers they brought in um, on defense. Uh, to add to Cedric Johnson on the edge, you've got the kid from James Madison and also Jared Ivey from Georgia Tech, who was really good last year. Um, so... I like them to take a step forward. I mean, it's nice that you have Georgia Tech and the and Mercer in the non-con as well as at Tulane, yeah. which I mean, I know Tulane was good last year, but traditionally those types of programs don't go year to year being that good. You know, and people are high on this year. Well, maybe it'll be a, a, a tough game. I mean, I'd imagine that there'll be a lot of Ole Miss fans at that game. You're on the road, yeah. Bama, Auburn, Georgia, Mississippi State. That's a really tough road schedule. Yeah. Um, LSU at home, Arkansas at home. You do get Vandy, um, A and M at home, and then UL Monroe. So, um, it's gonna be a tough schedule, but 
I'm going to put faith in Kiffin to go on the over here. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, and here's, here's one more stat. Going through their, their numbers from a season ago, they had 400 yards is not crazy now in, in modern college football, right? But they were over 400 yards in every game except for two. One of them had 399. And then the debacle they had against Pacific State where they had 335. They're going, to, they're going to put up points. They're going to put up yards. Like this, this is an offense that has like been really, really good. And they will always be good under Kiffin. So, and I don't think it's a situation where you have to like stack the box. You, you get a kid that's going to progress hopefully from year one to year two with Jackson Dart. The over, you said the, the total seven and a half. Yes. I'm, I'm going to take the over and I'm going to hate it the whole time because I don't see them beating Bama on the road. I don't see them beating LSU the week after. Yeah. Even though it's at home, then you have Arkansas on the tail end of that. But A and M and Georgia back to back. Like I, I don't see you beating LSU or Bama, and I don't see you beating A and M. So you got two games of wiggle room there. It's a tough schedule. It's a tough schedule, right? Like I mean, and like I said, people are t- people are high on Tulane. So I don't think there's a lot of wiggle room, but I also do think that with everything coming back, they're gonna be improved on defense. And th- I do feel like this is one of those offenses like, all right, man, like if you could just fucking get to 30, Golden can figure it out. And I know he didn't do it against Tennessee last year, but I think that like he also didn't have Lane Kiffin calling plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. All right. Next up on the win totals, Auburn at seven. Um, obviously, this is Hugh Freeze's first year on the Plains. Uh, they were five and seven a year ago. They returned eight. Starters on offense, nine on defense. Um, I'll let you dive into this. What, what are you thinking here? I know you're pretty high on Auburn. I mean, not high on Auburn. Um, like I've always said, Auburn has great fans, great tradition. Jordan Hare's awesome. I, I'm excited for Hugh Freeze. I am. Um, now the line, the total I saw was six and a half, um, okay. not not seven. So I remember I posted this at, at media days, and it kind of took off. Where I said I took a picture um, of the, the the schedule, and I was like, I don't see where you don't have seven wins. Looking at that schedule, okay. Now I'm not as sold on the quarterback position after the Peyton Thorn stuff, considering that like. Holden Gurner or Garner or whatever was like challenging for it. I don't like the fact that Robbie Ashford has a package. I don't I, like, like, I think it makes sense for you to do it, especially in year one. He's not good. He's not good. Put him at receiver or put him in like, like, I don't know, turn him into Cody Burns or some shit. I don't, I don't fucking know, but like he can't play quarterback. Um, Did he hit man, 12 fumbles last year? That is almost fucking impossible. Tyler. <laughs> That is almost fucking impossible. 12 fumbles? Yeah. Okay, so go play for Kentucky. Um, so UMass win at Cal, I think is a win. It's going to be closer than people think, but I think it's a win. Sanford at home win. Now, at AM, they are 5 and 1 in their last six openers, right, for Auburn. And they have played really, really well at College Station. That's just the openers. Yeah, that's just the openers. That's what I meant. Um, and they played really well there. I even think that the Georgia game at home 
is a game that they could scare Georgia a little bit because of Hugh Freeze in the offense. They, they, they flag like Jarquez Hunter is a really good running back. The defense returns nine starters. You return eight on offense. The offensive line should be improved. I, I, I've been very confident in them all offseason. I do think this is one of those things, this, these things where like the ceiling is very close to the floor. Yeah. Like, I think the floor is six and the ceiling is eight or nine. And I'm going to take the over and, and stand by it. Because we've all seen Auburn. I mean, let's think about Gus Malzahn, what he did in year one. Took him to fucking Pasadena and almost won a national championship. Like, it, it, here's, here's a very real statistic, and this is I, I remember bringing this up last year. Every single head coach at Auburn, dating back to Pat Dye in, in like 1981, they have won some title, whether it's division, conference, or, or I'm sorry, some title or gone undefeated. Whether it's division, Southeastern Conference, national, what have you, they have won or played for in one like every single head coach in their first three years. Pat Dye did it. Terry Bowden won 11 0 in his first year. Coverville won the SC West by year two or three. Um, Gus, or sorry, uh, Gene Chiswick won a national championship in year three. Gus Malzahn went to a national championship in year one. Parsons is the first time they haven't done that. That's why the success so early is so important. So, like, I just – I think Hugh Freeze is a good coach. I think he's a perfect fit for Auburn. And I know there's a lot of jokes to be made about that because, like, you know, the fucking Southern accent and the pastor, hey, brother, like, just, like, the whole, like, brother Hugh thing. If you're – like, there's not a more perfect fit for somebody with fake morals than going to a school that has built their entire fucking identity – off of having this fake value system and creed they recite, like they are AM light. And I think they're going to be good this year. I think they're going to jump up and get somebody. I don't know who it is, but I've said this over and over, and I firmly believe it. If they beat Ole Miss, which I think is the biggest game on their schedule, because of all the shit with Kiffin in the offseason and the back and forth they've had and a lot of recruiting battles they've had with them this offseason, especially, but especially because of what happened with Kiffin. I think if they beat Ole Miss, and then you get Mississippi State at home at Vandy at Arkansas, New Mexico State. You have a very good chance of going into that Alabama game with five straight wins. Mm. And God forbid Bama goes into that game with three losses or two losses and are out of contention with nothing to play for. Because that is a fucking nightmare for Alabama. And yeah, I get that I, game like, on at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm high on Auburn. I'm gonna I think out of any team in the country, I said this to JD Pickle today or Pickel. Auburn is my lock to, to go over in their wins at six and a half. It's my oh, wow. absolute lock. Them, Clemson, and then I, I took Notre Dame. But, like, I, I'm very high on Auburn to go over six and a half. Yeah, and the only thing I'll add to that, I mean, as toxic as the situation was last year, you won five. Mm-hmm. You're telling me that with a renewed sense, you know, better QB play, hopefully. Um, you return a ton of snaps on defense. You can't win one or two more games. Right. I mean, with, um, with especially that with the knock-on being so easy. I mean, UMass, Cal, Samford, New Mexico State. Like, that's four layups. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go over as well. Um, all right. Next, Arkansas is at six and a half as well. Uh, year four of Sam Pittman. Things got off to uh, a rocky start in 2020, but 
to be expected in the COVID year. Great 2021, nine and four. Last year took a bit of a step back, seven and six. This year, as far as win totals concerned, expected to be right around there again uh, with seven wins. So, mm-hmm. win total six and a half. How are you feeling about this? I personally love KJ Jefferson, love Raheem Sanders, Rocket Sanders, as they call him. Mm-hmm. But I don't know really where else they're going to get a lot of their offense from. I hate this so much because I there's there's not a person in the world that looks at Sam Pittman and is like, God, I don't like that guy. That that guy doesn't have an unlikable fucking big bone in his body. I mean, right. that he is so likable. He's fat Shane Beamer. Like he is I, I want them to succeed so much. KJ Jefferson, awesome. I love KJ Jefferson. R- like Raheem Sanders. Love they're finally getting some pub going into a season as they should have been having for like their, their entire career. BYU at home, that's not super easy. BYU always has like 40% of the roster that's aged like fucking 24 because they go on that Mormon mission. And, yeah. and like, I think that for most of their players in the fall, most of them don't soak. So they're focused. You know what I mean? Not a lot of soaking going on this season if you're BYU. You get you get that game, Western Carolina, Kent State. So you should be three zero. Listen to this fucking gauntlet to start the year. This is what happens with, with Arkansas every year, dude. They're going to be three zero. I don't know if they'll be ranked or not. They don't have like a great win on that on that list early. Then you have at LSU, A and M away from home, at in Arlington, yep. at Ole Miss, at Bama, and then misses. You play four straight fucking games away from home. From September 30th to October 14th. And then you get Mississippi State at the tail end of that. They're coming off a bye. You're four and four at best, I feel like, getting out of there. Yeah. So on the road in Gainesville is not going to be easy. I mean, you get them, you have a week off beforehand, and you get them when they're coming off of Georgia, which is good. Yeah, that's true. But then you have Auburn. FIU and many of Missouri, and let's not forget, like I've seen a lot of Arkansas fans do this for some reason in the offseason, which is like, oh yeah, you know, we're, we'll beat Mizzou. You're two and six in your last eight games against Mizzou. Two and six. Yeah. And and here's the other part too. You lost a fucking ton. You lost Jalen Catalan. You lost uh both white linebackers that had been there since the fucking late eighties. Um, Drew Sanders, bumper pool. Bumper pool. I know Drew Sanders is a transfer, but like, you know, just for the sake of the joke, yeah. um, the offensive line, you only returned four starters on offense and, and the defense, let's say it's better, but what does that mean? Cause it was the worst pass defense in the country last year. Right. Um, I like the kid they picked. I mean, we'll see. He's from FCS, but Andrew Armstrong, 6'4", 190 pounds at receiver. He had 62 catches for 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns last year. Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's FCS, but that's a big-bodied kid. I mean, 6'4", 190s. It's doing some things. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you know, you, you move on from Bryles, so I don't know what that's going to mean for the offense this year. But um, I think I'm going to go under on Arkansas. Yeah, I am too. All right. That brings us to Mississippi State. Also, we have two left? 
Mississippi State and your beloved Crimson Tide. Mississippi State win total six and a, six and a half. Um, Zach Arnett leading them this year, nine and four last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they return eight on offense, four on defense. Um, Southeast Louisiana to start the year. Arizona at home. Weird, but yes. Western Michigan right in the middle of the year. Also weird. Uh, Southern Miss towards the end of the year. Think you can go four and zero in those games. Mm-hmm. So, can you find three wins out of LSU, at South Carolina, Bama, at Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky, at A and M, and Ole Miss? Can you find three out of all those? Yeah. Same again. LSU. Mm-hmm. That's at no. South Carolina. That could Bama. Be. At Arkansas. No. At Auburn, Kentucky, at AM, Ole Miss. I'm counting one. I, I see two. I see two in there potentially. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. I hate to say it because I, I had like I, I just need to take a step back. I love Will Rogers, and and like they get five of their first six games at home. And I tell you what, another positive South Carolina, they get South Carolina the week before South Carolina goes to Tennessee. So that's like you know maybe they catch them sleeping a little bit. They and they're coming off a loss. I don't know. You got to win those first two without a doubt. Um, where I mean, where do they improve? Where do they improve? Like because the offense is obviously going to look different no matter what. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you returned four of your, I'm sorry, four of your top six pass catchers, um, and all of those guys had at least thirty or more catches, which is really good. They distributed the ball really, really well, which I, I like. That you're not going to have a huge issue in terms of, like, you know, I know they lose their best guy, but you have a lot of people that saw action and have experience, which I like. They also added a tight end late in the transfer portal. The kid actually mm-hmm. transferred from Arkansas State to Colorado and then left Colorado before. Right. But I don't know how to say his name. Sedu Traore. He's from Nailed Arkansas it. State. He was 81.4 PFF overall grade in regular season last year and was a 90 pass catcher and a 90 on drops. So very good yeah. offensive weapon. I think that could be an underrated piece that they added. It's not even he's not even in Phil Steele's magazine, Chris. What? He transferred that late. You also have the top two returning tacklers in the SEC. You have two guys that had over 113 tackles a year ago. Jet Johnson. What a name. What a name. Nathaniel Watson as what well. What a league. I, I, I like uh I like their defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. You know, you got that the Cameron Richardson, but then you have the kid Kamari Rogers, who was a, a really good High school recruit went to Miami for a year. Transferred. He's from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. That kid should be pretty good. Um, I like the Carlos Nicholson and the JUCO kid. They've got got Marcus Banks from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Safety, maybe. Yeah. I, I just I I'm taking the under, and I and I feel very confident in that because that schedule is not easy. Yeah. Kentucky, yeah. like like you look at the schedule, and you're like, oh well, they get Kentucky, and they get South Carolina out of the out of the East. Those aren't easy games now. 
I mean, no. they're not. And you get to still play the West. I'm taking the under of six and a half, and I'm taking it by a lot. Um, but you do but, love Will Rogers. I do love Will Rogers. I don't think that he gets nearly enough uh, like credit for how good he is. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like in the in the system without Mike Leach and see what that looks like. But I do like Will Rogers. Um, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I'm I'm taking the under. I, I feel more confident in in the under of Mississippi State than I do in any other pick of, of the division. Yeah, um, I like the under as well. I I think that they gave you a gift with the non-con there, um, but. I think the conference would be a little too much. And I mean, this yeah. is Zach Arnett's first full year. Let me ask you this. If they have a bad year, do you think they just, they move on from him quickly? No, or, no, no. No. I, what I would really like to see with Mississippi state is like in like what they could do is, is be one of those programs like how Missouri was for a long time. Where like Missouri flashed at times. They're a better program than Mississippi state, but like Mississippi state is a program that could like really benefit from stability. And be like, like you know, year in and year out, this guy is going to be our head coach. And I don't know if that's who Zach Arnett is. I don't know enough about Zach Arnett. I, I think that like he's gonna he's gonna go through something this year that no other coach in the country is at all. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I think that part is like, I, there's no way they get rid of him. Um, I don't think it's like a stopgap by any means. It's a great opportunity for him. But this is a season where it's like, I mean, like, like, dude, if you want to stay, like, what is the fucking, what is the ceiling then? You know, under Dan Horns. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us to the final team here in the SEC West. It is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Win total at 10. Yeah. Uh, 11 and 2 last year. Returned five starters on offense, five on defense. Um, A lot of chatter about the QB room. What's going on Mm -hmm. there? Um, I believe Pate last night said Milrose still the guy. Ty Simpson had a really good scrimmage on Saturday. Okay. But yeah. Um I think the running back room is gonna be just fine. I like Jace McClellan, Wado Williams, the two freshmen. I think they're gonna be fine there. Receiver room. Let's have a chat. Well, real quick. Don't don't fucking gloss over the running back room. It's the deepest running back room they've had in, in eight years, nine oh, years. I love the running back room. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh but I equally do not love the, the receiver room as it stands today. Because okay. I don't know a lot about it. I don't know who's gonna step up. You got Jacory Brooks, Jermaine Burton, Kobe Prentice listed as the presumed starters. Uh Kendrick Law's got some experience last year as a freshman. Isaiah Bond got some experience last year as a freshman um got the emmanuel henderson kid that i think came in as a running back and moved to receiver uh malik benson the juco receiver i think maybe there's been a little bit more noise lately about coming out of camp about him uh what's your read on this who's gonna be the guy well stop dropping fucking passes for one yeah that's a fair request i don't know if this is looking at you jacory brooks no i'm looking at all of them jermaine burton to Corey Brooks, there was a video the other day of like of the first scrimmage that came out, and and Jalen Milrow drops like an absolute fucking dime. It's like a like a fifty five yard pass, right it, right in the hands of whoever the receiver was, and he dropped it. Like and he's open, he's wide open. 
You brought up Malik Benson. Maybe I just haven't been paying enough attention. I haven't heard that much about Malik Benson, which is surprising because that's a guy that should come into this receiver room and step in and make a difference right away. Um, number one overall player in Juco a year ago, five-star from that, that standpoint. I am just so excited for the words that came out of the actual mouth of J.C. Latham in Nashville, which was something that came with joyless fucking murder ball. And yeah. I don't know which quarterback. I, I don't I don't think you have a receiver that's anywhere close to a thousand yards. I don't like I think you're gonna distribute the football primarily like to a lot of tight ends. Like I, I think you're gonna get a lot of play action and, and rolling your out rolling yourself out. And people forget Ty Simpson is a very, very good athlete. So whoever you have a quarterback is gonna be a little bit close to his legs. Take care of the football quarterback that's obviously huge, but they have the deepest running back room they've had. It's going to be the best offensive line they've had probably since 2018, maybe 2017. I don't know. Um, they should be very good up front. They've got a ton of talent. They've got a new offensive line coach that should be way better than what they had in place before. Um, you've got five stars everywhere, and you've got fucking beef everywhere. Like They are big. They are big. I don't, I don't see a quarterback on the roster that I think is going to turn around and throw the ball 50 times a game, and I don't think it's what Saban wants. Like, whoever can turn around and fucking put the ball into the stomach of any of those five-star running backs and let them run behind, the, like, those massive, massive five-star offensive linemen, that's what you're looking for. And 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 I think that you have play-action pass. Amari Nyblak, I think, is going to be a massive, massive breakout player at tight end, especially in the red zone. They're going to target him a whole bunch. I, I mean, but here's the thing, man. I don't... I'm, I could get burned for saying this, but I'm going to say it. I think they lose to Texas still, and I'm way more confident on Bama than I was when I first made that prediction like, over a month ago. I think they still lose to Texas. I think that there's a chance they lose to Texas by more than 10 points because I, I see that first quarter being over when Sark is on script with all that talent and the uncertainty you have at Bama's quarterback position and a first-year play caller at, at Bama and the SEC. I... I would be, I would not be shocked at all to see that look up and say, like, oh, it's 14 3. It's 14 0. You're down two scores before you get to the second period, second quarter. But everyone else on this, on this, this, this schedule, the, the assumption that you're just going to put up points on Bama's defense is fucking insane to me. The uh, secondary. So, yeah, let's talk about this because I was looking at the roster, mm -hmm. specifically along the D line. I love the talent on the edge. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Dallas Turner. You got the Jeremiah Alexander kid from that was a freshman last year. You got Keon Keeley, who was five star five freshman. Star. Chris Braswell, five star. Um, but the middle of the D line, I like Jaheim Otis. Yes, a lot, a lot. Uh, but just going down this list, it doesn't seem. I mean, there's definitely talent from as far as high school recruiting perspective. But not a lot of proven talent. No, not at all. Um, that might be an area of, you know, I, that might be an area of who's going to step up. I mean, Tim Smith is a senior. Seems like he's, he's highly recruited, hasn't really broken out. Yeah, he played very well last year a lot of times. He was kind of banged up at the end of the season. He was very good on the D-line. D uh, Justin Igboigby, is that how you say that? I don't know. Um, he, he's, you know, he played 117 snaps last year. Tim Smith played 324. 
Jaheim Otis, 266. This is all regular season numbers. Mm -hmm. Other than that, nobody logged much more than 90. Uh, yeah. So someone's. I think someone needs to step up in that room and be a difference maker. It's probably going to be Otis, to be honest. That dude's a beast. He's got a really good camp, too. But it's not, it's not like it's like you said, it has nothing to do with the first wave. Because they'll throw up, they've got six five-star edge rushers on that on that roster. They they've got a really, really good. I, I think it's arguably one of the best defensive. It's not better than Georgia by any means, but you've got one of the best defensive lines, starting defensive lines in the in the division and the conference. Mm -hmm. Behind that, I mean, you got Devon Payne, who's a former five-star. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he has a breakout year. I don't know. Year two in the system. We also got a kid named Curtis. Um, hold on. We're, Curtis Perry. Curtis is spelled K-H-U-R-T-I-S-S. -S. Get off my team. I want you <laughs> off my team by fucking tomorrow. <laughs> um, I just, I can only hear his name with like the way Rodney Gilmore, I feel like would say it. Curtis. Um, anyway. I don't think you have that much depth that up front of the position. Saban's actually talked about that a little bit, and you definitely need that in the SEC. You have the deepest linebacking core you've had since 2017. Thank God. Um, especially in the middle where they've struggled at times. I think the secondary is going to be real good. I yeah. mean, real good. Caleb Downs is going to step in right away and be a stud. Yeah, they got a lot of talent back there. Obviously, Kool-Aid's the, the main name. Got Terry and Arnold, who's a good corner in his own right. Uh, Trey Amos played a lot of snaps. Did he transfer in from Louisiana? Mm -hmm. And they got another kid from uh, from UAB. UAB. Um, yeah, Jalen Key. He came in late in the process. Um, you got Malachi Moore. Like you said, Caleb Downs. Earl Little Jr. was a highly recruited kid. Des Ricks, true freshman. Jaleel Hurley. So... Yeah, man, linebacker, dude. Uh, Tresman Marshall from Georgia came over. Mm -hmm. Got Deontay Lawson. Um, Quay Rushaw's a, a true freshman that's supposed to be really yeah, good. Kendrick Blackshire maybe makes a name for himself this year. Um, yeah, man, defense is going to be really good. Um, I think to me, it, it just comes down to playmakers on offense and, and who's distributing the ball. So where are you going with the over or under 10 so i'm over and i think i think there's a chance that they could i think they lose to texas and that's a really tough stretch to to go win out like i think a and is the second toughest game on that schedule i don't think at kentucky is going to be a cakewalk i mean there's there's a there are some sliding doors here and it's a slippery slope where this thing could be eight and four nine and three the schedule is that tough at times you get a lot of games at home and from anyone I've talked to close to the situation, dad is mad. <laughs> yeah, Saban is. Fucking... I, to, be honest, to be honest with you, it, I was leaning under. Yeah, do it. But, do it. And I probably will take the under for the purposes of the show. I wouldn't bet it, yeah. though, in real life, because there's something to be said for all the talk about Georgia. It seems like every time Alabama's not picked to win the SEC, they go on and like win the championship. They've won I think three it's national four, championships four times. They've won three national championships for the first year starting quarterback. Yeah, and I I just think when everyone's betting against Saban, is when you want to bet on him. Mm -hmm. So 
that's why I wouldn't take the bet in my real life, but I'm going to take it the under for the purposes mm-hmm. of the show. The juice is on the under. Yeah. So that, like, that makes so sense. That bold. And if you lose to Texas, yeah, it's tough. That's tough. Um, if, you, if you lose to Texas, there's no room for error yeah. when it comes to the win total. Right, right. Um, but I tell you what, man. This is going to come from a place that I think I'm being objective, but I will tell you right now, I'm admittedly a lot of the things I'm about to say are from like a place of this is my team. Okay. Please take the stage. If you're dancing on the grave, fucking dance lightly. There is not a single fucking thing that you could point to consistently that says Nick Saban is watched. All of the things that you have heard about Nick Saban about, well, you know, they, 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 like the dynasty's over two losses, four points, both on the road, both in the last play of the game, five total losses in the regular season by a total 15 points since 2018. I'll say that again, five total losses by a total of 15 points in the regular season since 2018. All of this is built upon the fact that, oh, they almost lost this game. Or they almost lost this game, or they lost Bryce Young. I, I tell you what, did Bama did Bama win a national championship with, with Bryce Young quarterback? They did not, not as a starter. They did win one with Jacob Coker. They did one. They won two with AJ McCarron. They they went to a national championship with a freshman quarterback with Jalen Hurts. They went the freshman quarterback, uh, or I'm sorry, a first year quarterback with Mac Jones. Three national championships with a first year quarterback. It's the most talented roster in the country. You signed nine fucking five stars a year ago. You have all of the games that you had that were tough on the road last year. You get them at home. Like, what am I missing that you're trying to tell me that the dynasty is dead and and blah, blah, blah. Do, you, do we really think that all of a sudden the greatest coach in the history of college football has just fallen off a cliff? I don't see Georgia on that schedule. I don't see Georgia anywhere on that schedule. I see Tennessee. I see a lot of people say Tennessee's going to beat Bama. I see like like that that could happen. And then I look at the numbers of what Nick Saban's done against Tennessee, and I see one loss in 16 years by three points. And then I see 15 wins by an average of 25.8 points. Ten out of the 16 years, you put up 40 plus points or more. I I, I look at the roster, and you you have five stars all over the offensive line, all over the running back position. Blah blah. You don't have Bryce Young. You don't. You don't have two first rounders at receiver like you had for like you know two or three straight years, uh, and you don't have, you probably don't have a first round talent receiver. You got some depth there, and you've also got a locker room that has heard nothing but most of social media and most of the like the outside world tell you that this is over, this is over. LSU is now here. They won the West a year ago. You you gave up fifty two to, to Tennessee. Georgia is the premier program. We heard uh, David David Pollock say it in L.A., and he's right. He's right. All of those things are true. But I will say it once again. If you are dancing on the grave, dance lightly. Because this is not a program that is going to fall off the face of the earth. With the talent they have, the coaching they have, the main guy on the sidelines – Talk all the shit you want all offseason. You talk all the shit you want all offseason. But Arkansas fans, AM fans, Tennessee fans, LSU, 
You got two wins in the last 11 years against Bama, and you come to fucking Tuscaloosa. You got two wins by six total points. One of them was the greatest team of all time. You got to come to Tuscaloosa. Ole Miss, you got to come to, to Tuscaloosa. What happened last time? Get your popcorn ready. Mississippi State has scored one offensive touchdown in three fucking years against Alabama, and it was on the last play of the game a year ago. Tell me what I'm missing. Auburn's the first-year head coach. You better hope that some sort of some sort of fucking spooky magic happens in Jordan Hare, because that's about all you got. D- tell me, tell me what I'm missing. Because if this was any other fucking program that had all of these five stars, if this if there's a G on the side of the helmet, if there's a if there's a Trojan on the side of the helmet, if I mean if, if there's a Buckeye on the side of the helmet, a, a Wolverine, whatever, none of this would be in question right now, which is crazy to me, because what's really happening is. The dynasty is not over. The wish that it's over has become your reality. And this season, a majority of those teams, you talk all the shit you want all offseason. But several times, whether it's fucking 3.30, 7.30, I doubt we get a lot of 12 o'clock games. They're going to tee up that fucking football, and you got to line up and play Alabama. And I can't fucking wait. Let's go. That takes us to our interview with Cole Kublik. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited. Chris I is excited. Good. Let's get to Cole. All right. It's our final conference preview episode going into the season. Joined by our good buddy, um, Cole Kublik, back once again. Dressed nicer than ever. Uh, which is which is lovely. More successful than ever. You just keep blowing up, which has been <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, we want to talk some SEC West stuff, obviously some Auburn stuff. First and foremost, how you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me. Getting set for uh, for week zero here, so it's an exciting time around college football. Yeah. Are you going to Vandy? Nope. No, I'm off this week. I'm excited to be uh, kind of on the couch watching some football, hanging out with the family for one more weekend, and then uh, week yeah. one we get it cranked up. So, yeah, it'll nice. be cool. All right. Well, let's get started. With, like, We're going to obviously talk about your alma mater more than I would like to, despite wearing the stupid shirt. Um, Who gave you that shirt, by the way? Like, where did you get that? So I went to Jordan Hare for the last for the first time last year against the day. Remember when I ran into you at the A&M game? No, I remember that. I just, you don't have to. I go to Tuscaloosa for games. Every now and then, I don't buy I don't buy outfits. You, I mean, okay, first off, let's not say outfits because that makes it sound way worse. Do you remember how cold it was? <laughs> it was. It was. It got chilly quick too. It kind of snuck up on everybody. My son had shorts on. My I had a short sleeve shirt on, and I was dying. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a little chilly, but uh, I feel like there's maybe a neutral color or something or other. You could without the logo, but I'm proud of you. It looks great. I mean, I'll, I'll return it, Cole. If that's gonna be, it doesn't fit. Obviously, oh, no, away, no, it looks, looks like great. I love it. Keep it going. Um, all right. Speaking of, uh, I believe in Auburn and I love it. Um, obviously new coach. I'm sure you've been asked this ad nauseum, but you're going to get asked it again. Um, I don't want to talk about the, like the expectations down at Auburn. Cause I think that, I think they're probably more in check than they were at times in the past, like with, with obviously with Harson and, and maybe with Gus. Um, but it's a place where you've had every single coach since Pat Dye has either gone undefeated, won a title or played for a title in his first three years. So the expectations early, Make a lot of sense. Hugh Freeze has been a quick turnaround guy everywhere he's gone. Arkansas State uh, and and obviously Ole Miss. What's a reasonable expectation, not only for the season, but also just for his offense in year one? 
Yeah, you make some good points. And, and I also think, Chris, that here recently, and like McElroy's talked about this on our show a little bit, that he the expectations are starting to get maybe a little bit out of control. And right. I feel like he, I feel like Hugh has actually addressed it somewhat in a few of his press conferences as in, Hey, you know, we're just, we're just trying to, we're just trying to build. We're just trying to get guys in the right places. I think he even understands that there are some folks that are starting to talk about nine and 10 wins and mm-hmm. just hold on a second. Like it's not, the depth is probably not going to be there and be ready for that this season. You still have to have a lot of continuity, a lot of chemistry, to be able to be on the same page with a lot of transfers and a new coaching staff and new schemes. So uh, the main thing that I'm looking for is just general excitement, competitiveness, quality of play in different ways, improvement across the course of the season. Um, I don't know what that equates to in in wins. And, And part of that is because I don't know really what to expect, not only from this conference after the top two or three teams, but especially this division. Yeah. I, I think I think the middle of the West is one of the more intriguing parts of all of college football this season because I can give you a hard sell on you know being in the mix to win the West late for Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, obviously LSU and Alabama, Texas A and M, even Auburn to to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can also give you some reasons that some of those teams might not finish five hundred. Right. So, I mean, are we going to look at five or six teams at six or seven wins, or do LSU and Alabama pull away? And maybe A and M's there with them, or does Arkansas pull away with them? I, I don't know. So, it, it's going to be really interesting to watch. And it, you better have depth because guys are going to get dinged up. They're going to be physical games. They're going to be competitive games. Mm-hmm. But I love what he's done through the portal, and and I think offensively, what you can anticipate are more explosive plays. Obviously, being more inept in the passing game, they're going to be able to run the football. I have a lot of yeah. confidence in that offensive line. Uh, guys like Dylan Wade that they brought in, Avery Jones that they've brought in. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jeremiah Wright, who was there last year. Uh, Rivaldo Fairweather at tight end is going to help in some different ways. And they've got a great stable of backs. And now you have a quarterback that's capable of actually operating your offense. Mm-hmm. And you know, Robbie was dynamic. He did some great things towards the end of last year, but the operation of the offense was still a little bit lacking. Peyton Thorne gives you all of that. I mean, he is a quarterback. He has come in and been that since he arrived on campus, whether it's been throwing sessions, film room, locker room, around the facility, whatever it is. He's a lead captain at Michigan State twice for a reason. So um, I, I feel like that offense is going to be much more capable in a lot more ways than it has been the last few seasons. All right, jumping our way around the SEC West, I'm really intrigued by Texas A&M. Uh, we, we were taking a look at the roster before when we were recording, and, I mean, the talent is off the charts at many yeah. positions. But what are your thoughts on how the, the Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher marriage works out? Um, I, I'm a Florida State guy, so I Jimbo, we would always hear the rumors that he was going to bring in an OC to let call plays. He never brought in a name this big, so it would maybe maybe – Maybe he was forced to do this, but do you see this working out on offense with Petrino and, and Fisher? Yeah, I do. Um, the folks who I know in there say that that hasn't been a problem at all. Bobby's running it. Bobby's calling it. And and I think I think Jimbo understands that maybe taking a step back is probably going to be a good thing. It's not like he's not going to have any say in the offense. I mean, if, right. if he wants him to run the ball on third and five or if he wants him to take a shot on, you know, second and two, like he's going he's gonna to let his feelings be known. Um, I think the the thing that people maybe have discounted or just don't know or don't understand about this is, you know, Bobby's got just as much FU in him as Jimbo does. And so if Jimbo wants it back and he tries to take it back and he's not going to let Bobby do his job, like he'll walk away. Like that's 
his personality is not one that's going to say, oh, okay, yeah, let's make this work. Like that's, that's not him. So I, I, and I think some of the things that he does pre-snap, some of the things that he does creatively to open things up in the passing game are, are going to be very beneficial to that offense. I think having Jim Chaney on staff is also going to be big because yeah. he is a guy that's really creative in the run game. He's really creative pre-snap with movement, motion, different things like that. And I think his personality will be welcomed because I think we all – there's enough guys that will tell you exactly how they're feeling in there. Somebody that's smiling and, you know, a little bit of a Santa Claus in the room probably won't hurt too bad. And, and I think he can be that. So as far as the talent's concerned, you're right. Um, I mean, it's – and now if I, I hear that the freshman running back, you know, Ruben Owens is having a good scrimmage and mm-hmm. he's going nuts. Layden Robinson, Ruben Fatherly, Bryce Foster, you know, those guys have really good film out there. Now, they had some bad film last year, but – there's a lot of these offensive linemen that have played and played together. Donovan, I think Donovan Green was a tough loss at tight end, but you got Max Wright and Jake Johnson. You should be fine there. And the receiver is just plentiful. I mean, yeah. we, we've seen what Evan Stewart can do. We know what Moose Muhammad can do. We know what Anaya Smith can be. You know, he's the he's the straw that can stir this whole drink, just being able to motion, get the ball quickly, be in the backfield, be in the slot, take short passes, take the top off. Like He's, he's going to be able to do a lot of different things. And I think Connor Wigman's got big time ability. You know, he was put in a pretty tough spot last year with injuries up front on the offensive line. Obviously, you know, the buy-in, the behavior, whatever you want to call it, late in the season that we all know that was happening. It was going to be tough for younger kids to step up and really be leaders on that team. And then, too, I mean, I've, I've been on a team that was going to finish sub 500. Like, it's, there are a lot of guys that are checked out, honestly. There are a lot of coaches that are usually checked out. So it's a tough place to be to go in there and try to win games. But, and now, I hear that there are even more receivers that uh, apparently are doing good things in practice. So, I mean, if they can add a third or a fourth um, that that are you know just as capable, that offense could be elite. I have no doubt about it. And the defensive line should be able to really offset a lot of what's going to need to happen at the second and third level. That defensive line should be dominant. I mean, they have different body types that can play inside, outside. They've got your old school nose guards that are low to the ground, low center of gravity, wide defensive tackles. They've got your your long, lean edge rushers that are flexible. They've, they've got everything. Like it's the total package. And I don't I don't think that the second and third level are great or elite at every spot, uh, maybe one, two spots. But that defensive line should be able to cover up a lot, man. I, I do want to see the defense, however – be a little more responsible with how it's called. You know, there were some times last year that you just saw some of the fronts and you're thinking, why? And, and just it was almost stealing for some offenses at times. Mm-hmm. And I know they were young and I know they're out of position some, but I thought they were out of position a lot more than when I went back this offseason and watched it. Um, but there is a there's a real chance for AM to really put things together and be very dangerous this season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, all offseason, we've talked about, I think, kind of like the same stuff, you know, as I'm sure you've had. The biggest games of the year, Bama, Tennessee, Bama, LSU. Uh, some people, you know, talk about that Georgia Ole Miss game. Some of those, like, obviously staple games in the conference. Um, give me a game that is flying under the radar that could have the most significant impact on either the division or the conference as a whole that we're just not talking enough about in the SEC. Well, I think if you could, if you would guarantee me, I talked about this on Cube Show, my podcast, a couple of weeks ago when I had like the top five. Uh, game or the top five games of the league I had the most interest in I think could be the most interesting and that Georgia Ole Miss game was one however I kind of asterisk with if you, you have to guarantee me that Ole Miss is going to be healthy for that game right and you probably also need to guarantee me that Michael Trigg is going to be interested in football want to play football and be trying hard to play uh good football 
Because if that's the case, and you have Priest Corn and Trig, and you have two tight ends, one who's more traditional but can still create some things, and one that's a super athlete that's going to give you matchup problems, along with the best running back in college football, mm. and a pretty good group of receivers that can be matchup problems, that can run tempo at times and can spread you out. Now there are some could potentially be some real problems because what you're going to do with motions and shifts and how Lane Lane can find matchups maybe better than anybody. Um, I, I think that could be really fun to watch. Now at that point in the season, do I think Old Miss is going to be ready to give Georgia that challenge? Probably not, just because I don't right. think they're built to last like that. And the other games on the schedule are going to beat them up a little bit. You know, I I think there's some really interesting games on the schedule that may not be like deciding the divisions. One, for example, I think Mississippi state at South Carolina is massive. Mm -hmm. I I just think it is a huge game uh, because Mississippi state, you know, they'll they'll win the opener. They'll probably beat Arizona. Then you get LSU. Well, nobody expects them to beat LSU. So if you drop that game, okay, fine. LSU might've already defeated a top 10 team in Florida state. They could be a top four or five team at that point. You're not, I think they beat them at home like twice in the last 50 years or something yeah. crazy. So you don't expect that. But if you drop that one and then you go to Columbia and you lose that one and then you got Alabama coming to your place next, yeah. that's a problem. Uh, and that and things could get ugly quick because, let's see, after that, you'd be looking at Western Michigan. Okay, who cares? At Arkansas, at Auburn, Kentucky, at A&M, and Ole Miss at home still left on the schedule. Yeah. And you just lost three straight conference games. So I think that South Carolina game is huge right there for Mississippi State. I think the A&M game for Auburn is massive because you just heard me talk about it a minute ago. We still don't know what that offensive line is going to look like. I love Dylan Wade. I think he is a ready-made SEC tackle. I think he's big time. Apparently, Xavier Miller is coming on now, and he looks good. Gunnar Britton has been great through camp. Well, we also just talked about that A&M front. That's Mm -hmm. when we're going to find out what you're all about. Can you hold up throughout the course of the year? Or if you get embarrassed – then that that could be you know a little bit of a preview as to what's coming the rest of the way down the schedule. So, and I think too you got a lot of new guys. We don't really know how they react to things. New coaching staff, the maturity level. If things were to go bad early in that game, how do they react? How do they bounce right. back in a very hostile environment? Because Cal is not going to be a hostile environment. So, I just think there's a lot of first time things that are going to take place in that game for that Auburn program, and we'll learn a lot about who they are. Even if they lose that game, I think. That Sunday, we'll probably sit in there thinking we know a lot more about what that team could potentially be. My last question is going to be about LSU. A um, lot of lot of offseason chatter about them for good reason. Uh, but I look at that receiver room. Everyone knows Malik Neighbors. He'll, he'll be a, a household name this year. But who else on that LSU offense? I mean, obviously, outside of Jaden Daniels, is ready to step up in 2023. I mean, you've got some guys that – are kind of unproven. Dre Jenkins is gone. Uh, Kayshawn Butte is gone. Brian Thomas had five touchdowns last year, but not much production outside of that, which is, I mean, that's still pretty good. But uh, any, anybody else on that roster on offense that you see stepping up this year for LSU? Kyron Lacey is an alien. I mean, honestly, like the, 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 his wingspan has to be seven and a half feet. Um, I think he's going to be a problem. I think Brian Thomas physically with how he's built can be a real matchup problem for a lot of teams. And with the way that Malik Neighbors is able to work every portion, I mean, he can work every blade of grass on the field. So mm-hmm. he's going he's gonna to provide a little bit of security blanket for those guys by drawing extra attention. Um, and I, I think there are some individuals on that offensive line. Uh, you know, we, we learned last year about Emory Jones. We obviously learned about Will Campbell. 
But this Lance Hurd kid's coming in, apparently making a little bit of a push, and they're trying to find a way to maybe get him on the field. So I, I think that group could be one that we look at and say, oh, okay, like they're they're for real. They're not just a group that's playing pretty good football. Like they could be dominant. Um, I, I love this offense. Now, and the, the weird thing about it is it's an LSU offense that I really like, but they're not necessarily LSU-like at running back. They got five mm-hmm. or six who can play, but none of them are – you know, Kevin Falk or Cecil Collins or Leonard Fournette, you know, or, or guys like that. They're, they're yeah. not the super dynamic game breaker, 230 yard games that are going to go out there and win games for you. That's just not what they are. But I think by committee, they can make it work. So I, I think they have a, chan- a chance to take a pretty big step on that side of the ball this year. I just love that you brought up Cecil with Cecil Collins, because that is the name that we do not talk enough about, despite nope. how old it makes me sound. All right. Booger we'll McFarland still yet. tells um, me, Booger McFarland still tells me it's the best football player he's ever been on the same field with. Ever. They, they were so much fun. I mean, like, they flashed a lot at times because, like, you think about the 97 like, Florida game especially. Um, but they were so much fun to watch even back then. Uh, okay, we got one and a half more questions. We'll get you out of here. We appreciate the time, dude. Um, just sell me on this. I know what shirt I'm wearing, but you also know where my allegiance is lie. What's more likely to happen, Bama going 12-0 and or Bama going 8-4? and Actually, just to go backwards for a minute, we don't really know where your allegiances lie because I feel like for years and years, everybody just thought that you're this like psychotic Bama homer. And now, based on social media, either a lot of people just feel like that the bit in black one has been waved in front of their face or we just like misconstrued you and now you're this giant Georgia homer. So I actually, I, I don't know where your allegiances lie. It's, I'm it's a, great I'm, that you just feel like people do know that, but I, I think there's a lot of confused folks like me that are out there wondering what in the hell's going on. But, I'm an unbiased member of the media, Cole. I'm just being objective as possible. Um, I don't really care what you put on the other side of it. I don't think I'm ever going to sit here and tell you that I think it's more likely than probably anything else that a Nick Saban led Alabama team goes eight and four. Right. Like I just, my brain is not going to allow that to compute. It just, it will not happen. I've, I've, I have fallen victim and I, I think LSU wins the West this year, but I think Alabama's in it. I think it's, it may be like an LSU wins in Tuscaloosa tiebreaker type thing. Mm-hmm. And they had the same record. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Alabama wins the West at all. I just feel better about LSU's quarterback situation, and I feel like they might have you know, maybe the best defensive player in college football. Yeah. So um, it gives them some advantages. But I mean, I'm I'm never going to put my money on Nick Saban going eight and four ever. Like I just I just don't think that that would take place. I appreciate that. As my my former favorite team, I really do appreciate that. Um, if all you right, even say question. something nice about Georgia, I can do that too because I know that, like that's that's more on the forefront of where your brain is right now. So What's amazing about it is that I lost that old account because I made a terrible, terrible April Fool's joke about Kirby Smart. It's not good to start fresh and no one knows. Who I, am. <laughs> I love that you also said psychotic Bama fan. That's, that was tough, but fair. Is there um, really another kind though? But I mean, <laughs> that's also very true. Just a terrible yeah. fan base. Uh, all right. Last question. Rate these people from favorite to least favorite. Okay. Josh Pate. Jordan Rogers, Tom Hart. Um, favorite. Do, do we have any context here, or are we no, just, I, just the less context the better? Um, I'm gonna probably say Jordan Rogers one. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say Tom Hart two, Josh Pate three. I have to deal with a lot more Josh Pate right now. 
Yeah. Um, and he there's a there's an interview from SEC Media Days that we did that his legal team will not clear for us to air on the Cube Show uh, at Cube Show 61 on YouTube, by the way. Yeah. And where they we can't we can't post that. So we we have there's that an actual legal battle that's happening between us right now. So that that's probably going to put him there. Jordan and I rarely have to deal with at all. It's just like right. he kind of shows up for games. We have fun and we talk, and then you know he's off to his you know his other seven lives that he lives. Um, <laughs> as a married man and a home developer and a reality game show host yeah. and all these, other, I mean, he just, I, I feel like I'm just a very small sliver of what he does on a daily basis. And I haven't seen Tom in a long time. So this would probably be a very different answer in two months or a month. Yeah. But for right now, I, I think Pate's going to definitely be at the bottom of that list just because he's the biggest thorn in my side right now. He's already making fun of my new sponsors on my show. Like he's, he's just an agitator. And so because of that, he's going to come in last. Well, listen, uh, I'm not going to make fun of your sponsors. I, I, every single time I get like Wickles Pickles, I want to give you a shout out. And there's also never a time that like I make it through like, like the jar doesn't last more than 24 hours for one. But I know you have a ton of new stuff going on um, dating back to last year. Now, like this year, obviously the show with, with McElroy and then the podcast, everything on YouTube. Tell everyone where they can find all of the things. We will not be in a legal battle because we can't afford lawyers. And we'll, uh, we'll have you on again soon, man. And who would have ever thought that Wickles Pickles and Blue Chew would just like fit right in there as uh, sponsors <laughs> on the same show? It just it just works. So yeah, um, Cube Show is my college football podcast we put out on Sundays. Uh, during the season, we go through every SEC team's film and we just tell you what we saw um, at Cube Show sixty one on YouTube, at Cube Show Twitter and Instagram, and then McElroy Kubelik in the morning. Uh, you can get that on jocksfm.com. The app is in your app store, iPhone, Android. You can download it for free. You can tell I say that 11 times a day. Yeah. Uh, just search WJOX and you can tune in there online or on the app or live. And then um, what else do we have? We'll be doing some videos for AL.com coming up soon. And we've got we got something else coming in about a week that we'll be dropping that's going to be happening this fall. But I don't think I can say it yet. So. All right. Well, then keep that close to the vest. But we appreciate. We need more things. Time. I need more things to do yeah. in my you life. Don't. Apparently, you, you, so you we're going to add some don't. things. <laughs> um, I'll also just know that of the twenty minutes we did here, the only thing I'm going to clip and post on social media is the Wickles pickles and and Blue Chew shout out you gave. <laughs> so, Cube, uh, we appreciate it, man. We'll do this again soon. You have a great rest of your uh, your offseason. Absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me.